Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Brandon Rosenthal. Coach Rosenthal has worked at the NBA level, the G League level, the Division 1, 2, and 3 level, and currently serves as a senior executive of the membership-based community for coaches, Rising Coaches. We talked to Coach Rosenthal today about the commonalities from one level to the next, what it looks like to build a support system for coaches. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Coach Lopez, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to sit down and have a have a conversation with you. Yeah, no, I'm 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 really uh, impressed by what you've done, and you've done it at a young age, uh, relative to you know, I would say that because I'm 39, and I think about well, man, this guy's accomplished a whole lot. And uh, so I think your perspective is really, really uh, valuable because you've coached at so many different levels. And that, to me, uh, can speak volumes to to anybody who's listening today. And so I'm so thankful to have you on. Uh, So to kind of kick it off, Coach, how were you introduced to the game of basketball uh, coming out of Tucson, Arizona? No, that's that's a great question. Um, (laughs) You know what? I actually grew up playing hockey. Uh, wow. and, and really every sport, um, okay. which, uh, which obviously had a major influence on, um, me as a, as a person and, and just as a sport, uh, fan and, and athlete in general. And when I got to, uh, about middle school age, uh, I wanted to be a part of something involving school. Uh, you know, you play baseball, little league, you're, you're, not doing it necessarily with your uh, classmates. You go and play um, hockey. You're not, again, you're not doing it with uh, necessarily your classmates. But I want to do something involving uh, some of my friends. So when, uh, when I had the opportunity to, uh, to kind of maybe pick a sport to play, uh, I randomly decided on uh, on basketball and growing up in Tucson with the University of Arizona being there. And basketball is a pretty popular sport in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, just it, it seemed like the, the right thing to do, and, and I fell in love with basketball because you could you could be by yourself and train all the time. Yeah, um, it didn't true. require uh, obviously it was more fun to, to have people to play against or play with, but I think I fell in love with the fact that I just had a basketball. I could walk across the street and go to a park or go to a school or um, you know go to a friend's house and find a backyard just to play. And yeah. That's uh, where I think there's a lot of uh, restrictions sometimes with other sports, you know, whether it's the equipment that you need in hockey in the rink time, whether it's uh, um, baseball, you, you need somebody to throw the ball to you to, to you know, hit the ball. So it's, there's all these different limitations and barrier to entry that uh, I think big picture-wise basketball wasn't limiting me. So that's why I think I fell in love with the sport from, uh, from the beginning and Looking down the line of where you played as a player in, in high school and in college, what was your experience with that? Um, great question. Uh, 
and now I'm having to reflect back a little bit stuff that I haven't even thought about in a long time. But um, high school, the one thing I took away from my high school experience that I think to this day is continuing to really help me, um, the, the head coach that I had played for was big on seniority and that you had to really go through and earn um, your opportunities. And he really empowered uh, the upperclassmen, the seniors on the team, the guys that have been through it. And so there was just this level of respect of guys that um, had been through the process, had earned their stripes. And so then when it became your opportunity, you wanted to also serve and give back to the younger players that were coming up behind you. And I think from that point on, it's something that I've always looked to. Um, It's something that's been important to me, uh, even more so now as a coach, to kind of build a culture centered around that. And I was very lucky that when um, the college program that I played at St. John Fisher College, there was a very similar culture, a similar environment where, Again, uh, we, we were lucky that our, our seniors and juniors were always very good. We, we always had some great experience on the team, and we were very successful from that. And I think once you became a junior and senior, you definitely owned the responsibility of what that meant um, to be an upperclassman, to have been through the program, to have been through a couple years yeah. of uh, the trials and tribulations of, of competing through a season. And so that, uh, that that was definitely something that I think, again, I, I continue to think about as, as a leader, as a coach today, and wanting to build a culture like that. So there at at, uh, at St. John Fisher College, a Division three school, you played for a pretty good coach. Uh, you know, kind of going back uh, and looking at that, he was a Division three coach of the year. I think that sometimes can influence us when we play for great coaches, like in high school, I played for a really good football coach, and he kind of set the tone for my uh, my taste for coaching. Like I was like, okay, now I want to coach. If he can have this impact, influence, and be successful like we were, I, I want to coach. Would you say that coming up through high school and then college now was that was was he was that coach in particular influential in you becoming a coach? Absolutely. Uh- one thing I thought Coach Forniker did that was very cool is, and again, part of it was just uh, you know the the budget constraints you have at a smaller college. Yeah. But he um, he went out and, and hired a lot of uh, former teammates of his. Um, his high school coach was actually on our coaching staff. Wow. So we had a very close knit uh, coaching staff and yeah. family environment. Um, and so I, I, that was a major influence to me in terms of how a coaching staff uh, should potentially interact together yeah. and how they should work together and how they should be representing themselves in front of, uh, in front of the players and uh, the way you communicate, uh, the way that you invite uh, you know, young adults into your, into your home, into your family. Um, all of those things were, were a great example for me. And part of why I, I knew I was on the right path to wanting to be a coach and, and all those things. Now, and when I talk about, you know, kind of all that, that experience that you had as a player, now moving on to coaching, once you figured out you wanted to become a coach and jump into that pool, uh, was there any situations or circumstances that probably, you know, brought, maybe discouraged you or almost derailed your progress to, to reaching that goal? 
a great question. Um, I was very lucky that at a young age, I knew I wanted to be involved with sports uh, for my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think early on, it was you you want to play for as long as you possibly can. Yeah. But I think uh, even even getting right into high school, uh, even my freshman year, between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I started working basketball camp and uh, trying to influence young kids and and, um, learn as much as I could about the game and about coaching and teaching. And so when I actually went through the recruiting process, to uh, Pittman College, that was something that I brought up with every head coach that I spoke with and that I wanted to get into coaching. And yeah. so the uh, Rob, Coach Corniker, uh, one thing that uh, that he did for me that was extremely, I wanted a career in the injury, and so he, he threw me right into the right into the water. Uh, <laughs> and I, I started coaching really as a, as a junior um, in college. And he put me in situations that uh, to this day uh, – for letting me do that at the time because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but as far as getting out on the road and recruiting and um, helping put together scatter reports and presenting them to the team, all those kinds of things, uh, I think uh, again pushed me towards that direction. Like, hey, what you're doing is the right thing, and, and stay on this path. Um, one thing that again I, I take from that experience was here I was at you know 20, 21 years old and. What does that look like to coach uh, teammates of yours? Yeah, you know, I and, and I can relate to a lot of guys that go from playing, you know, and, and as soon as they finish, they jump right into coaching, and how some of those challenges that can get presented uh, can sometimes, you know, maybe either derail you and go in a direction where you're like, "Hey, this isn't the right thing for me," or you realize maybe you're not ready to, to start coaching. Yeah, and so I think the one I was very lucky that I had really supportive teammates. Um, that were all about helping me become a coach. They knew that was something I wanted to do. Uh, But I quickly learned how to, I think, communicate in a way where, you know, obviously if you're in a coach's meeting, you're you're going to be prevalent or privy to information that um, probably doesn't necessarily need to be communicated to, you know, what was your teammates and players you're helping coach, and then vice versa. You know, if you're spending time with your, your teammates, or your classmates away from uh, the coaching staff and you're going to hear things. And so I think what I tried to do was, was kind of be somebody that was somewhere in the middle a little bit. Like um, a mediator. Especially yeah. Those yeah, mediator. That's probably a good way of putting it where yeah, yeah. Um, I could support both parties and um, maybe provide a, a different perspective and right. look at things through a different lens. And so that, I think, has actually helped me much later in my career um, where, again, sometimes communicating in a way where uh, a player may now understand the perspective that a coach is really coming from. Uh, yeah. And so being somebody that can be a terrific listener and, and all those things. So that that stage, I think, in, in my life and, and in my early coaching career um, has definitely played dividends and, and helpful to where I'm at today. But to uh, to really answer your question, I think, um, I think sometimes when you're so focused on where you want to go and, and what what you want to have happen to you. I, I think it's the, the challenge sometimes is continuing to remain positive. If, yeah. uh, if opportunities aren't coming up, um, if uh, you're not reaching a level of success that mm-hmm. you were hoping to at a certain point in your career, I think if, if you look at it from a big picture standpoint, I know for me personally, I, I kind of look at it like I'm going to coach for another 35 years. Yeah. As long as I remain healthy, as long as my uh, – 
future wife lets me do it, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's what I plan on doing. And so to me, if, if you ask me, hey, in 10 years from now, would you be happy doing X, Y, and Z? I would say whatever process, whatever experience I got to go through the next 10 years to get to that, I'm all there. And yeah. so I think trying to have a, a big picture perspective and not sometimes getting caught up in some of the shortcomings that, uh, or some of the challenges that come your way as a, as a young coach, and especially a young coach trying to break into the business. It is. It's a very tough business. It's competitive. Um, there's a lot of people that want to get into it. And, and sometimes, again, I think a big, big portion of it's luck, right place, right time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and who, you know, you were working with during a certain stretch and what players were there. And, um, so a lot of stuff that unfortunately you can't control. And I think that's why you just, every day you want to show up and you want to work hard and do, uh, do things the right way, treat people how you want to be treated. Um, and, and I think if you do those things, you start building up a reputation and your reputation is what you carry from one job to the next job and, and why people end up hiring you in the future. So I, 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 I go down, you know, kind of what you've done and where you've been at. As you talked about, you know, just where you're at with a stretch with, with certain coaches and who you worked with because in, in your profession and in the profession of coaching, when you get to that level, a lot has to do with well, what are people saying about you that you've worked with in the past? And, uh, you know, how, how did you end up at St. Edwards in, in Austin, Texas? Because Austin is right down the street from where I'm at. Great place to hang out, live, well, more hang out. But uh, how, how did you wind up there? Uh, great. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I miss Austin every day. Austin is a fabulous city to, yeah. uh, to not only visit uh, for vacation, but also a terrific place to live. Yeah. I uh, Coach Cook uh, is an upstate New York guy. So okay. uh, obviously went from Arizona to upstate New York. Uh, to uh, too often, and so there was a uh, there's a common connection there. There was somebody actually on his coaching staff uh, that I had known uh, that I had actually grown up with. So he connected uh, myself to to Coach Cook, and I think uh, you know Coach Cook understanding my background, the program that I uh, just finished up playing and coaching at, um, some of the people that I was interacting with on a day to day basis. I think uh, there's. There was uh, some intrigue on his part, and then uh, once we got to know each other, we really hit it off. And so, uh, another great place to uh, to coach. Uh, obviously, Coach Cook had a tremendous amount of success uh, this past season. Yeah, um, and uh, very excited for him. And so, but uh, but another fun level to work at. Uh, the thing with Division Two that I always talk about with other coaches is that you know I I don't know sometimes what the identity of, of Division Two level with uh, similar to Division Three, or is it yeah. um, sometimes more of an athletics first level uh, similar to what you see at the Division One level? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I think Coach Cook's done a fantastic job in trying to, to balance that out, being at a, um, a very strong academic university in a place like St. Edward. Coach Cook does a great job, and and another coach that you that you fell under that was a coach of the year twice uh, in his career, and. You know, I, I I bring that up because, you know, considering, you know, everything that, that you've, all the levels you've coached at, what are some of the similarities that that you've experienced throughout? Because there, there's there's some things that translate all the way through. Uh, what, what was your experience on what, you know, some of the similarities were? 
Uh, great question, and, and I think you actually hit it on the head um, with fit. You know, uh, I think fit is something that's really hard for young people to understand uh, when they're going yeah. through the recruiting process, and I think for uh, parents and, and sometimes even the coaches involved. And I even remember that, like, you know, growing up in Arizona, West Coast, uh, one, Arizona at the time didn't have a lot of small schools. It was basically Division One or junior college. Yeah. And then uh, I wasn't very comfortable with a lot of schools kind of up and down the West Coast. And so for me, for the right fit, I had to had had eat. Um, which was not something I was planning on doing or expecting, but very thankful because, again, I think I found the right fit for myself. Yeah. Um, and what you find is that's the case for every level of basketball, um, for everybody. You know, everybody is looking to uh, to try to find a, a good fit, um, an environment in which they feel safe, uh, they feel comfortable coming to work every day and, and confident coming to work, and, uh, and they, they have purpose in what they're doing. And so that's, I think that's something that, you know, in terms of building your culture and in terms of, like, the culture that you're looking to be a part of, I think that's maybe one of the first places you start is, is this the right fit for me? Um, you know, whether it's as a coach, you know, potentially taking on a job, whether it's a uh, player looking to uh, join this specific college program, whether you're a free agent in the NBA, yeah. Um, I think all of those things are, are that's that's one of the first places I think you start is uh, is whether this is going to be a good fit for me or not. So, given that, and you talked about building culture, how do you here again having seen different levels and now and even at the NBA level where you're at now, how do you see coaches and how do you see management or whoever? How do you see people building culture there from you know like because you go from Division three to MBA. I mean, it's a huge jump, but in between there has to be some commonalities in how you build a culture, how it differs. How, how, how did, yeah. have you, how yeah. have you seen that? Great question. And again, I think, I think building culture, uh, is the same at every single level. I think the only difference is you're potentially presented with different problems, uh, that you may have to face as a team, as an organization. And so for me, like, and I kind of sit on it a little bit with just being in a culture where you feel safe, uh, to again, see yourself, uh, feel safe. You know, you and I, before we jumped on this podcast, we talked about player development. Like you feel safe to develop, you feel safe to take chances, you feel safe to fail. Those are things that I think, um, depending on what level you're at, depending on where you are, depending on what the expectations are, that is something that can be a real challenge um, to, to build an environment that's very safe and then to be vulnerable. Like I think one thing that some of the best coaches that I've been around and something that I take a lot of pride in is being very vulnerable to the people that you're leading. You know, wow. you, we don't have all the answers. Um, again, I, I think being as transparent with the people you're leading is is one of the major keys to success uh, for a team because if the leader can't be transparent and be vulnerable, how can the people that are following be transparent and be vulnerable? Yeah. And I think that all kind of feeds into, again, creating a safe environment and then um, also just the, the purpose factor. You know, if I, I want to show up to work every day knowing what, 
he needs from me, what I need to, to be happy, what I need to be, uh, what I need to do to, to help our, our team be successful. And, and so I think driving home that purpose and that commonality, that goal that we're all going to share and we're all going to work for, uh, towards together, yeah. that I think is, is a key, key piece to creating a culture environment where people want to come to be a part of it every single day. And I think if you're lacking in any of those three areas, uh, I think that's, that's at some point going to prevent you from creating any long-term uh, successful sustainability. And that, that to me is uh, what probably stood out the most is, is regardless of level, whether it's in high school, whether it's in uh, the Division three level, Division two level, the Division one level, uh, junior college, and then all the way up to the G League and the NBA, if you aren't, if those aren't kind of your pillars to, to developing your culture at some point, um, there's going to be something that erodes at, at the foundation and, and why you're either going to start losing people or people aren't going to completely commit and give up themselves to ultimately, you know, whatever the goal is that your, your team and your program is trying to reach. Because it seems like you can almost cheat culture for a while if you're winning. And, and things are seemingly going good, you can kind of cheat culture and, and kind of get by with, because they say what winning cures all, all, all bad things. And it's, you forgive all sins if you're winning, but at the end of the day, culture still comes back into play. And when everybody's sitting in that locker room, looking at each other, the culture, you know, you know, what's going on. You And there's nothing that you can say to kind of just negate what's happened, negate what's been happening and like you said, people wanting to be a part of it, I think that happens on on a it's it's rampant that culture is not being built properly, it, a, a culture of success and like you said, caring. You know, uh, you feeling like you can be yourself, so important because a lot of you know here again from from all the levels you said you were at and you've coached and you've been a part of. People just want to be treated like people and that they matter and that you care. And that's really so foundational. And, uh, and I'm glad you said what you said, because I, I hope the coaches listening, we can kind of hear again, commonality is everything when it comes to coaches, because we sometimes feel like, well, I'm not sure I go through what they go through because of where they're at. I'm not sure I've experienced that yet because I'm here at this level. And I think, from what I'm hearing from you and what you're saying and conveying is that no, it's pretty much the same, you know, sometimes you're dealing with, with, with different uh, other variables, but at the end of the day, people are people, situations are situations. You overcome them. You, you persevere, you get through it just like you do. Do you do anything else? Cause they're people. And so that's fantastic coach. I, I really appreciate what you, what you just said. Um, so, you know, in regards to your work with rising coaches, being an executive director with them, uh, how do you steward the responsibility of, of basically mentoring other coaches and leading other coaches? Yeah, great. I'm happy to ask that question. So rising coaches, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just kind of share the story behind it okay. just to give a little bit more context to that answer. Uh, rising coaches was started by a couple of managers uh, a little over 10 years ago. And the student managers uh, went out to the Final Four, and 
uh, all of us that has you know worked in college basketball here, like the the number one way to get a job is to go to the Final Four. That's where the convention is. Yeah. That's where all the uh, the coaches are are hanging out and spending time, and that's that's the place that you bring your resume and you land a job. Yeah. Well, the 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 managers uh, they. You know, they're going through the whole process. They're handing out business cards, handing out resumes. And I get to Saturday night, the night of the semifinals game. And there's kind of this time where if you've got a ticket to the game, that's where, you know, every, if you get a ticket, you're going to the game. And then if you don't have a ticket, what do you do? And most of the time, everybody will post up at different restaurants. You end up maybe posting up at your hotel room or at the hotel lobby. And what these, uh, two or three managers decided to do is they said, let's, let's create uh, an event where we can bring all these young coaches together to watch the game on Saturday night. And so they started a social the following year at the final four. Cool. And it That's was a really huge cool. hit. And, and so that has grown from, you know, 50 or so coaches uh, showing up and young coaches to now where we end up getting around 500 to 600 coaches that'll show up on a, you know, on wow. a Saturday night to watch the semifinal game. That's huge. And and what I think uh, these three managers kind of figured out early on was we have something special here. And somebody gave me some great advice when I first got into coaching. And they said, you know, the people that you are going to move up with in the business are actually the people that are really your age and the people that have similar experience and that you're going to probably be competing for with jobs every single year. Yeah. And so but those are the people though you want to become friends with because what ends up happening is once, you know, one person gets a job and you have a relationship with them, they're able to then kind of continue that, that circle and say, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to take this job. This job's going to be opened up. Uh, is this something you'd be interested in or do you know somebody that might be interested in this job? So it creates this little network and fraternity of coaches that um, I think is is now, you know, again, 10 years into it, uh, has become extremely valuable to everybody that's involved. Yeah. And so um, that, uh, that same first year after they uh, started the social, they started a conference. And the conference was built around the uh, recruiting period, the Division One recruiting period. And it, and it actually started out with 31 coaches in attendance. And we brought in a bunch of uh, head coaches, assistant coaches, media personnel, um, a couple NBA people to to speak on um, how to navigate the profession, kind of best practices. Here my, yeah. Here's my story. Here's how I've been able to navigate it. Um, and, and from that, uh, of those 31 coaches, uh, 29 of us are now either assistant coaches or head coaches in Division One or working in the NBA now. And Wow. Um, that conference has now grown again. We're, we're 10 years into this and we've, uh, we've built up different coaching clinics, retreats, different events. Yeah. Uh, we're doing something here at summer league. So it's, it's become a very special, um, again, organization group of, of men and women coaches to be, uh, to be involved with. And so, you know, as, as we all know that there's, there's the business side of this, um, which unfortunately can, can sometimes be a, a negative. It can be a yeah. challenge. And so having a group of coaches to fall back on, lean on, um, help you again, kind of navigate it and ultimately become, you know, a close friend. That's, that's where the power of, of the organization is. And so yeah. I think part of my responsibility is, 
you know, uh, is continuing to share what Rising Coaches is about um, and why it's important to get to know other coaches throughout the profession. The network piece is, is huge, um, and but I think more importantly, as time evolves, like that's the group of coaches that you learn from, uh, that you share ideas with, uh, that you help. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's not even basketball specific. A yeah. um, couple of the coaches that I met at the very first Rising Coaches Conference are, are in my wedding here coming up uh, later. Wow, next month. So that's it's, cool, man. It's, uh, it, it's a special, special group to be a part of it. Um, it's a very inclusive group. It's an organization that's open to anybody and everybody. Uh, we just, uh, it's, it's about, again, committing to helping other people and serving people. And so that's part of what my mission is, is, is you know, somebody that when a young coach reach, reaches out, that I, you know, try to help them as best I can, uh, provide uh, some type of direction, uh, offer advice, sometimes just listen. And yeah. so I think that's, that's kind of the purpose of, of the organization and what we aim to try to do. That's a strong mission, man. That's it's really, really good. And I think that's uh, here again, I, I'm hearing so much from coaches lately that, that that's really needed, you know, uh, because sometimes, and I've said it before to certain people like coaches, we either get uh, demonized or put on a pedestal beyond relation. Like people can't relate. And sometimes people stay away because, oh, then, oh, that that's coach so-and-so. Oh, no. And then the other side of it is, and that coach is a jerk. All coaches are jerks. And, you know, and I think what you're talking about is a group of people who will say, you know, we'll stand with you. We'll walk with you. We'll talk with you. We're, we're like a support, not so the support group, but we're support in the sense that we're just a phone call away if you need to hear something from somebody and bounce something off of. And that's, that truly is is a great mission, Coach, and, and I'm, I'm glad that it exists because I know a lot of guys will, you know, here again, benefit, and you'll reap the benefits of it too because of your involvement and in, in, in how you serve in that. So so that's I'm very excited to hear about that, and I'm glad you kind of expounded on that as well. Uh, so moving forward, uh, I, you know, in this last, we kind of talked about this ahead of time about, you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle and how I think sometimes as coaches we get so caught up with other things and, and we don't forget to kind of, you know, go check our blood pressure, check our, you know, uh, readings and stuff for our, for our physical health. How important do you think it is for coaches to maintain a healthy lifestyle? It's, uh, in all honesty, it's something I'm still trying to figure out myself. And, and like we talked about a little bit before we jumped on the podcast, you know, we, a lot of, coaches uh get into the profession because they want to help people and serve people and so when you're pulled in a million different directions and constantly thinking about how you can help others you easy to forget about helping yourself yeah and so uh taking care of of yourself uh so you ultimately can be at your very best um when you know a player needs you uh uh you know if you're on campus needs some help something you know whatever it may be uh, it's it's obviously it's important, and for our minds to be sharp, um, for us to be able to interact with with our players, and, and obviously set a good example. Um, so I, yeah. I think all of that is is absolutely huge. And again, I'm I'm still trying to figure all of that out in terms of yeah. what what does it look like to work out and, and take care of your body on a, on a day to day basis if you only have you know thirty to forty five minutes. 
you know, when when do you fit in reading? If you're in the middle of a uh, push to make the playoffs, when do you fit in, um, you know, uh, spending time with uh, with making time for your family and, and yeah. maybe some of your friends and other relationships and all of that's very challenging. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very far from, uh, again, uh, perfecting it. So I think it's, it's a, a continued process in terms of learning and trying to figure things out. But I also think along that path, you figure out what, again, is very important to you. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, how, how do you want to make time for yourself? Uh, how do you want to make time for your relationships? And understanding that at some point you're going to be sacrificing something. And so what are yeah. you willing to sacrifice? So I think all that plays a part, but I think, again, you know, uh, zooming out a little bit, we know being healthy is important, and we know the results that come from being healthy or not taking care of ourselves. And and so at some way, shape, or form, we need to make the time and effort to do those things. And, and that also includes, you know, getting proper sleep, proper nutrition, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, again, continued research and, and conversations about mental health and yeah. recognizing when you're in a good space and when you're not in such a good space and how yeah. to uh, evaluate yourself in those situations and what may be causing yourself to kind of be walking down potentially a negative path. And so those are all things that I think as, as coaches we need to help each other with and support each other on and uh, I think again, it's for the better good of of why we're in this profession, and so yeah. it's it's again, it's very important thing to continue to look into and continue to improve. Like what you said about mental health, uh, I think you know society talks about it a lot, but I'm not sure what they're doing about it. Uh, I think as coaches, we don't talk about it enough, but we need to do something about it, and I think we do a lot about it without even you know generally you know bringing it to the table. I think we. You know, I think when we talk to kids about or, or players about how to just work hard and I think there comes a point where it's like we really got to stop and say, how are you doing? And not just in passing, but know how are you really doing? You know, stop and take the time to find out what what anything off the wall that's going through your mind right now, anything that it's not normal, it's happening, anything, you know what I mean? Not out of the ordinary, but anything that's, that's kind of alarming to you i think that's yeah that's really good i, I think uh you know along those lines it's, it's starting to have that conversation uh with people and then again i think if you have a culture that is and we talked about you know safe and and people are able to be vulnerable and transparent with each other i think that's when you're able to start having some of those tough conversations and if you're walking into an environment where you can't open up and you can't share with others. Um, and again, it doesn't have to necessarily be negative. It can be a positive thing yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, sure. You, you got it. As I think again, as, as leaders in this, uh, in, in coaching and in teaching and um, in, in whatever profession you're working in, I think that needs to be part of our mission is to create an environment where people can open up and talk about what they've got going on. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, you, you see it on a day-to-day basis with uh, with the people that you're interacting. Uh, and, and I think you, you did a great brought up a great point. Like sometimes it's just as simple as just having a conversation of how are you doing, uh, what do you got going on in your life, what uh, is there anything I can do to help you. I think those yeah. things are, are great areas to start. And again, as you know, I think all of us as coaches uh, have pride in building relationships with the players that we're working with. Um, we also need to have that similar pride with, with the coaches that we're 
we're coaching with and, yeah. and even against to a certain extent. So yeah. um, I think I think you bring up a great point. But I, I think, again, it starts with just having the conversation and, yeah. and being open about it. And I think the more that leaders are transparent and open with what they got going on, um, you know, I've, I've actually appreciated sometimes head coaches admitting that uh, they're tired or that uh, they're stressed. Yeah. Or that you know they've got a lot going on in their personal life, and it, it provides you with, you know, as a as an assistant coach, provides you with some uh, perspective as to what they've got going on in their lives, and maybe how you can be a better, um, you know, support member to them. Yeah, so. it, give, it gives you some context to probably why something's not clicking right, you know, and and you're able to. I always tell people when you learn to understand people, they won't uh, confuse you or or make you feel a certain way, you won't think, well, they're just crazy. No, until you stop and understand how somebody's walking in their own shoes and put yourself, have some empathy, so to speak, uh, then you can really, really get to working together, even if you don't understand completely. You know, you like I said, have some context. And that's great that coaches would be that vulnerable to, to, to kind of open themselves to that, especially as a staff. Uh, because when you know your buddy's off, it's like, hey, you know what's going on, and uh, and then and that's a great. Uh, that's when you know when you're a part of a real family. That's when that's, I think that's when you know that. So, coach, in your experience, uh, because you talked about sacrifice earlier, what are the sacrifices involved with becoming a successful leader and coach, in your opinion, in that in that you've kind of experienced? Oh, another good question. Um, Again, I, sacrifice I think means uh, is, is different for for all different people um, in all different situations. Um, again, it's evolving for me a little bit. You know, I've uh, I've been somebody that has put basketball first and the profession first, mm-hmm. um, really up until maybe three years ago, um, okay. where now having somebody. Of significance in my life, uh, my fiance, where it's important to me to make time. That's how I know I'm, you know, I'm marrying the right person, somebody I want to make time for. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, uh, but for me, I'm, I'm also a very simple, like I, I love to read and, and do things that are, uh, will help me be a better coach um, and have basketball conversations with people. Uh, so my my passion, my hobby, all revolves around basketball. I don't have a lot of interest outside of that. So for me, my sacrifices are it. It's really comes down to uh, my my creating time for uh, my significant other, and from there, everything else usually gets poured back into uh, to basketball and um, into the profession that I love and what I love doing every single day. So it's really not hasn't been a huge challenge for me. I think maybe early on uh, when I was younger and I got into the profession sacrificing, you know, not going to uh, different events, yeah. not being able to go out with friends, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, talk about living in Austin a little bit. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. a city where there's, yeah. there's something different. You can do every, every single night of the week. But yeah. um, I was there to get my master's degree and, I was there to uh, to help be a basketball coach and support Coach Cook and the players that were on the team, and so that was predominantly how I how I spent my time. So I kind of regret a little bit <laughs> sacrificing uh, some of the great food in yeah, Austin yeah, and yeah. Uh, again some of the great places you can go hang out. But that that's kind of how I 
I chose to live my life. And so, um, I don't, I don't question, uh, I think I'm at the point in my life now where I, I've gotten to be a part of some really cool staffs where, um, I've watched, uh, coaches, you know, start to have kids and have young kids and, um, watch how they've been fathers and how they've been fathers in this profession, which, Yeah, I think it can be a challenge because of the time commitment. Yeah, um, but I've also watched how cool it is to raise a family in a university in a high school setting and have uh, you know have thirteen brothers or thirteen sisters, whatever it may be, um, to, to you know look up to. Um, yeah. So I've I've watched all that from afar, and um, I think uh, that's I think as coaches, like we have to. Let me back up too and say this. I also think it's important for us as coaches to set an example. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, if we're going to sit there and, and preach about family and uh, you know how we treat our our wives and all those things, like you have to include, I think, those people. Um, yeah. And I think it also, when you take a step back, it also makes it, it brings in that human element um, from a coaching perspective. I think that's the tough thing about the professional level as in it's hard sometimes to create that community where you have uh, important people in the personal lives of whether it's the players or the coaches get involved yeah. uh, with the organization and the day-to-day things. And But I think the organizations that make that a, a part of what they're doing, a uh, part of their culture, a part of uh, something that, again, they, they believe to be important, I think those are the ones that you see are added to success or, or and there's a reason those coaches don't leave those organizations. And so I think when something that is important to you becomes important then to the organization you're working for, um, that's, that's a really powerful thing. And, and that's where there's a level of appreciation and um, a level of wanting to, you know, the, the analogy of run through a wall for, yeah. for the people that you're working for. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where I think that stuff starts to come from and, and to build. So, um, Again, I, I think we all choose what we're willing to sacrifice, and yeah. um, and and it is a tough business to get into, and it's a tough business to to climb, especially once you start getting to the higher levels. Because again, you get pulled in so many different directions, and uh, the one thing we're all fighting is time. And yeah. so, how we choose to spend our time is is usually the key in all of this. Yeah, time management's huge, very huge. Uh, so, Coach, I I ask every single guest this question and because it it really speaks to what we as coaches on a daily basis we leave because you can't like you talked about time you can't go back and change something what's done is done what's said is said and even though people may forgive you and uh, and walk away with a smile you can't take back what you just said or what you just did good or bad uh, and that has to do with to me with the legacy and the impact that you leave so what do you in particular, even though you're still kind of at the, like, I guess I see, I hear what you're saying about a longer career within that, where do you see your legacy being when it's all said and done? Um, it, it, that's still a, an evolving answer for me. Um, it's not something I've spent a ton of time on. I think it's something that maybe organically is, is happening for me. Uh, I think it's, it's too, uh, feel like I've, I've helped a lot of people and, and for people to believe um, that I was a, a good person to, to be associated with because okay. of the, the changes in 
things that I was wanting to, to get done. So um, I coach because I love the platform, um, especially that basketball presents all of us to help people and make a difference in people's lives. And so um, my my hope would be that my legacy at some point will revolve around that. Yeah. Uh, to what extent and, and all the other things and all that, I'm not really sure just yet. Um, and then at some point, it's, it's to be a great husband and hopefully someday be a great father. So awesome. that's that's uh, that's where I think my my heart is and what I hope to uh, you know to accomplish at some point. Coach, I really thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You talked about being at summer league and all that. I know that's 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 kind of a, it's a, that's an industry type of like meet and greet and spend time and and I know you're pulled in different directions, but I'm so thankful that you made time to be on the podcast today. Uh, you know, I, I think you've you've given us a wealth of information and knowledge, and and I think a lot of coaches listening can really uh, move forward in some of the things maybe they were being stagnant in or or just didn't understand. So. Thank you for your time, Coach. Um, I really, you know, I wish you the best with your marriage coming up. And that you have a long marriage and a long career and a long life, Coach. I always wish that on on anybody that uh, that I come in contact with. So so thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. And and, and good luck in the future. Coach Lopez, thank you. And, uh, again, appreciate you having me on as a guest. And, um, I hope is uh, some of the topics we hit on today people find valuable. And um, again, uh, like I told you before we jumped on the podcast, if there's anything I can do to ever help you or anybody you know, please, uh, please let me know. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Thank you.